0: Get eleven tacos worth of fart noises out of your no, system.
1: That's a lot of tacos. That's a
0: lot
1: of tacos. I like tacos so much. Well, I think you're done? You gonna have more tacos before you leave? I'm gonna try. Do it for I'm, Shaq News. I will do it for Shaq News. Welcome, everybody, to the first brand new version of the shack News podcast called The Shackcast. Cast. I'm your host, Asif Khan, and with me is my co host, David Craddock. Hey, Hello.
0: Baby. Welcome from QuakeCon. This edition of the new shack Cast is brought to you in part by Dave Quill
1: and Zycam. <laughs> and El Phoenix Tacos. <laughs> and El
0: Phoenix Tacos,
1: which are delicious. If you haven't been there in Grapevine, you really should. You know, we're here at the Gaylord Hotel. I think it's like it's a resort. A I, resort. Call it, I call I called it the
0: Texas Gaylord Hotel at first, but every time I drive up to it I see the resort sign and it's just like this sprawling main like Wayne Manor estate and i'm like this is this is a resort like this is a small community that they I have would
1: here. almost describe it as a compound yeah, or, or it's a compound a, or even a biodome yep. of sorts cuz when you look at it it's like huge it needs its own zip code it really does. It's impressive. Yeah. And, you know, we were saying this last night. It feels too nice to be housing a gaming convention.
0: Yeah, it's funny because, first of all, you see us. Like, we're not exactly, you know, spick and span, well-dressed dudes here. We're, we're chilling out in our, our, our T-shirts and our our shorts and our flip-flops. But then you got just a bunch of gamers running around. And then they're, you know, they're, they're, they're rigs and they're, a lot of them have. Cases of balls. Yeah, cases of balls. There are a lot of balls going on here. but Lots it's, of balls. I don't know. It's it's fun. I mean, there's a lot of history. There's QuakeCon history here because they were at the Texas Gaylord for years.
1: Mm-hmm. And there's Shaq News history here. Yep. You know, so it's, you know, we are tied at the hip with synergy. the game Quake. Continuity. Yeah. Continuity. That's right. Synergy. Yep. Uh, other buzzwords. Yeah. It's you know, all here. <laughs> it's all here. You know, we started as a, a site 21 years ago. Quake yep. started as a game 21 years ago. That is what brings us.
0: The QuakeCon, not to get too deep into it, but I'll be writing the next Shack News Select uh, doorstop article will be a, a comprehensive history of the Quake franchise and the Quake community. Talked to a lot of uh, QuakeCon attendees and the BYOC today. Got some pictures of, you know, that, that's I think that's just kind of segue a little bit. That's one of my yeah. favorite parts of the BYOC is checking out everybody's rigs and seeing the builds and the peripherals and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, actually, uh, someone told me uh, I, I was getting Starbucks before the show yeah. and someone recognized my Shaq news shirt and they're like, Oh Shaq news. And We were just <laughs> talking and he's like, yeah, one of my friends took the AMD Ryzen box. And made a computer case out of it. Oh, that's awesome. So he's like, yeah, he invited me to come check it out over at, uh, I think it's A31 uh, over in the BYOC. So that's cool. I'll have to, hit that. I'll have to yeah. hit that. There's a lot of creativity on display here. Oh, man. It's, you know, last year it was really funny because uh, I shouldn't say it's funny. It was kind of tragic. You know, Harambe uh, was shot yeah. uh, in cold blood right. in May. Yeah. They had a shrine to him at the BYOC and people were leaving bananas and money and condoms and balls and all sorts of stuff, and it really kind of sending them off in style. Yeah, you know, and it, it, it was you know how they like to whoop whoop yeah uh, whoop they did uh, <laughs> whoop whoop you know they were they were screaming Harambe at times too wow so you know that was my first year at QuakeCon this is my second year you know I had yeah. read about QuakeCon yeah. on the Chatty and on the front page of Shack for a long time saw all those pictures. You know, saw the history. Yeah. And uh no, I, I loved Quake. I just never I couldn't really afford to come here back in the day.
0: So. Quake Con was the de facto Shack gathering spot before our community kind of came together and created Shack Con. That's right. And uh I think it's still cool because there's still, you know, deep history between Quake and, and Shack News. So it's kinda cool to this is my favorite convention of the year i haven't been since uh, 2008 and i believe that year i think that was the last year for a while that that id software held QuakeCon in uh, the gaylord yeah uh but uh it's just it's so fun like you know we we do appointments we we saw some games and played some games we'll talk about that in a bit but Mm -hmm. it's still such a fun laid-back place where the the spirit is one of community and just playing games and you know, I talked to a lot of people today like this is their this is their family vacation I talked to families who pack up and come here yeah. Friends who only get to see each other this time of the year for the rest of the year They're just screen names in chat rooms. So it's pretty cool that they that like they block off you have entire families who say all right We're putting all our money our vacation time toward QuakeCon and we're gonna have some fun together play yeah. some games
1: I know and uh, you know one thing about the BYOC that I love is that you have thousands of PCs set up. Yeah, no one's stealing anything. No one's breaking things. Yeah. It's it's this mutual respect yep. that I don't see at many other events. You know, I go to a lot of gaming events. The BYOC is a really special thing. Yeah. And every year I'm kind of blown away by just how funny they are and just like how unique people are. And I love to walk around the rows and see what people are playing. See, I think, I think that's... Um...
0: That's what I love about it too, because you know, normally PC gamers, the first question you ask is, "Oh, what are you running? What are your specs?" But at QuakeCon, I think specs take a back seat to the creativity that goes into your case. You ha- you have people who have towers like s- six feet tall, or and then you have people who like you know will use uh, maybe a literal pizza box and then just kind of build
1: around that, and then everything in between, everything you could think of. It's yeah. so cool. No, for sure, and uh, yeah, I-, I think watching the tournament. You know. Also, yeah. you know, there's this, you know, it's it's a QuakeCon, yep. so the, it revolves around Quake. And yesterday and the day before, we got to see people who are professionals play Quake. Yeah, and it was outstanding. Yeah, I saw uh, people playing Quake. Was well represented today. Uh-huh. I saw Quake champions
0: going Quake Live, Quake Three Arena, also Quake Two. I watched Quake Two matches for quite. Oh, a so bit. there was some Quake Two, being some played? Quake Two going. You know, because
1: we had a thread this week on the chatty about Quake Two not being a good game. Well, uh, you know. Everyone has opinions, and some of them are just wrong. Flat out wrong. Flat out wrong. You know, because if it wasn't for Quake 2, we wouldn't have a rail gun. Yep. Now, let's think about that for a second. Do you want to live in a world without a rail gun? I don't. I certainly don't. No. You know, and people just need to respect history. Sure, games don't hold up 20 years later. No. You know what? Like, Mario 64 is not a good game by today's standards either, but it was groundbreaking in 1996. Right. You know, I think people get so hung up on what have you done for me lately or yeah. millisecond culture, as I like to call it. It's like, no, look at it in historical context when you judge it. And I think Quake 2 holds up in that sense.
0: I think it does. And I think that the community uh, is largely responsible for keeping it alive, specifically with Source Ports. Like, when I go back and play Quake 2, I don't play Quake 2. Vanilla. I don't even know if I, I could get that game to install and run on its own today. Probably. Steam's, you know, been pretty good about hiding a lot of that stuff. But if you use source ports to kinda of smooth out a lot of the wrinkles and, and dust off the game, it still looks and plays. It's it's really fun. It's yeah. still really fun. I play I play through all the quakes and the dooms. Uh, Pretty regularly. I still enjoy them.
1: I haven't played through the single player of Quake recently. I need to. Yeah, Um, One or two or any of them. Any of them. Yeah. Uh, But I have played a little bit of Quake Live Mm -hmm. in the last year and I... Played a decent amount of Quake Champions this year, yeah, when it was in beta, right? So that means I'm a true diehard because I had to sit there and wait for 10 minutes in between games. <laughs> Let's hope they fixed that. They did, Oh, they did fix it, they that. have okay. fixed it. It's a little bit better, but it, it can get better, you know. And then there was also the rocket launcher latency at launch, like, yeah. There's a lot of issues at launch with this game, but hey, million dollar tournament for it, million
0: dollar tournament for it. Also, I kind of I like that Quake Champions beta was actually a beta and not a pre order bonus, like you know. I come from. We both come from a time when you played betas when games were still half a year or more from release, and you see, you know, basically there should be signs in the game that says "Pardon our dust" because yeah. they're still being built, they're still being ironed out. For sure. And uh, yeah, I think I'm I'm interested to see uh, what kind of future Quake Champions has because I want to see if the the Quake community rallies around it like they have the previous
1: games. It also just makes me wonder if the Quake community is shrinking because. Uh, people are getting people are getting older. People are, you know, they're playing Overwatch. They're playing PUBG. They're finding other games. They're playing Rocket League. You know, they're doing other things with their time than playing Quake. And it's like, I don't know if the new generation values um, values the history. A straight up arena shooter. Yeah. Design. Yeah, you know, because everyone acts like Overwatch invented the arena shooter. You know, and you know, last year. And it's like, no, these have been around for a long time, guys. And I, I, we had an interview with Cliff Blazinski at E3, where he was like, I remember when Halo came out, and they had, we have man cannons. And he's like, those are quake jump pads. You know, so it's like, we haven't, I think if you, when you go so far back in history, people just forget. And also, the core demographic of gamers is, you know, young people. So yeah. they weren't even alive when Quake was born. We have, a, we have an intern at our site that wasn't even born when Shaq News started. Right. So it's like that's, that's been a challenge for us because we're like, no, you need to go back and play these games, youngsters. It should know? be part of your hiring test, Osif. You, know, you need to look at writing samples, video samples, and what first-person shooters from the 90s have you played. What I ask people when I, when I hire someone at Shaq News, I don't ask them if they've played Duke 3D. I ask them what they're playing now. Because I think you can get a lot of info from like, you know, we we just hired a bunch of people in the right. last few months. When I'm hearing, okay, I, I, I've been playing Switch a lot or, I, you know, I've been playing PUBG a lot. You, know, you can find out, okay, this guy's a PC gamer. This guy's a Nintendo diehard. Right. Uh, it's, it's easier for me to find out that way than it is to just be like, have you played this game? Have you played this game? Have you played this game? But maybe... What I th- what I think we're gonna do, especially with Jason, uh, <laughs> which came up in our Slack. Right. Uh, sorry, Jason. We're gonna put him through like a trial of. He's played Duke Nukem forever and not Duke 3D. I know. And I that's know. just. But that's not, where we come in. We're gonna help him. Yeah, that's why we're here. That's right. why. That's why we're. You know. That's why I bought this site. I need to help people understand that Duke 3D is one of the finest games ever made. Right. And. If you don't understand that, I'm going to force you to understand that. Duke 3D, Quake, Doom,
0: Unreal Tournament. I mean, there were droves of great first-person shooters from back in the day. But those, I think those are like four of the pillars on which Shaq News was was built.
1: For sure. And then, you know, a little bit later, we had Counter-Strike and Battlefield 1942 and all the battlefields. Yep, But those came later. Right. But you know we are at our core a shooter site. Yeah, you know, and I think that when I see people that come onto our site that don't really know that are on our team, I'm like, no, you're gonna have to learn. We'll put them. We'll put them through. Yeah, it's it's almost like how I want everyone to beat my briefcase level five. And which it's no for Mario has. Maker. That's a tough level. I've come close. I've come close. It's a it's it's a sadistic level. Is yeah, what it really is. Yeah. It's the same thing. I want to put people through trials where it's like you need to learn how to play Duke Nukem. You need to beat Duke Nukem and write me a paper about it. Right. You know. You got or homework s- or stream it. Yeah. It's right. it's almost like homework to stay at the company. Right. But I think we should do this, <laughs> and it'll be entertaining. I think it would be fun. Yeah. We yeah. can kind of torture the new guys this way. That's right. You know, it's not hazing because no. it's education. It's just a bunch of, of games writers getting together,
0: shooting the new guys with shrink rays and stepping on them. That's all it is.
1: <laughs> that's not hazing. That's fine. That's camaraderie. Yeah. You know, that's team building. Yeah, because you know, it's funny. You bring up the shrink ray and, and Duke uh, last night at QuakeCon, the internet went out. Right. This was, it
0: was like a it was a much bigger thing. Like it was an AT and T out. AT
1: and T had outages across the southwestern or the right. southern part of the United States and even other cities. Yeah. Um, but I was like, why don't we just install Duke on all these things and have a LAN party? Giant LAN. You know, what was funny is that the LANs are only on the rows. See, but in Duke, you can only play eight players anyway. Yeah. So I was like, rows or tables? I think rows. Okay. I think it's about 10 PCs per row. Okay. Okay. Still. You can get a lot of games going in the classics. It was just funny because everyone's like, "We can't play games," and I'm like, "Oh my god, we could have played games in the 1990s, and we can't now." Yeah, you know, uh, Rocket League has a LAN mode that they use in their tournaments, mm-hmm. but they haven't shipped it. So it's like super frustrating. Like you can't oh, play wow. you can't play Rocket League with the consumer version and LAN, but they have a LAN build. So when I see that, that bothers me. Yeah, uh, but. If it's just PUBG or something, it's like, of course, they're not going to have LAN support yet. Right. You know, they haven't even finished their game yet. Yeah. Uh,
0: Understandable. Yeah.
1: So it's totally understandable. But last night, I was like, why don't we just install Duke on all these things? Yeah. And going back to like that era, uh, you know, kind of transitioning to something we did earlier in the week, we went to id Software. Yeah, uh, and did a studio tour, and one thing that we were both laughing about is all these Shareware awards that they had, Best Shareware of <laughs> 1993. You know,
0: I could just I had this vision of like a little kid touring the studio with his mom and dad, like Mom and Dad, what's Shareware?
1: <laughs> well, I mean,
0: and then I thought like, well, it's a it's a demo, son, but like even demos are they're not a given today, no. you know? Yeah, demos aren't. I, I think I think this the Steam Reef or the two hour refund window has kind of replaced demos at least on
1: pc like you buy a full game if you don't like it within two hours you get your money back yeah and i think some companies are doing a good job of like i think betas have become what demos used to be yeah which is a real problem because yeah. now when people play in betas
0: they expect a game that's like two weeks out yeah instead of like half a year
1: yeah or more oh in the case of quake champions it's what it's been like oh we played the beta
0: uh Well, it was after. It was before E3, so April, May? Yeah.
1: Yeah. it's, It's been like six months almost. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, don't, a,
0: I don't think they've announced a release date, right? Like, it's in early access on Steam, yeah. which that early access, uh, maybe early access This is the new beta, but you're paying for it now. Yeah,
1: that's my point. Yeah. At least back in the day, QTest was free. Yeah. You know, these were freeware, shareware. Yeah. These were things, you know. It was encouraged to share software. It was yep. like, here's a demo, go share it. Now it's like, how dare you pirate my software, even though it's in early access and broken.
0: I did read something interesting today. You know, I'm doing a lot of uh, legwork for this this quake feature article and i i happened to uh find a quote from john carmack where he said paraphrasing someone asked him why wasn't doom 2 released the shareware first like the original game he said well because we noticed that a lot of people didn't get that the doom shareware episode was just one episode they played it and thought that they'd finished doom so they wanted to move right to a commercial release so that they could make sure to get those customers who you know finish the first eight or nine levels or whatever and then we like oh that's a great game and didn't realize that there was a, a whole package waiting there for them that's
1: right i think some shareware did a good job of including the, a way to upgrade it
0: it did i remember with doom i played the shareware first i learned about it in church as you do that's where you've discovered doom games yeah, of where you course. go to hell and and uh i think that one You'd exit the game, and then you—the id software had their usual splash screen where they'd give you like a phone number, or like an eight hundred number, and say, "Have your credit card ready." But if I remember correctly, and I need to look this up, I think Quake—you could buy. I bought Quake on a CD, and it was the it was the shareware, and then you could unlock it. From the CD, like the whole game was packed up, and you just if you paid money, if you called it or whatever, they would unlock your disc for you. I don't remember how that worked, but I remember it was something like that.
1: Yeah, so I I think it was cool that they were giving you the game, and yeah, you you were able to unlock it. You know, it's that's different than what we're seeing today with how you with a with some demos, you're just getting a vertical slice of the game, other demos, you're they're really just betas, yeah. Uh, that are mainly multiplayer, you know, like mm-hmm. what we're seeing with Call of Duty this weekend. Yeah. You know, so we get a lot of that stuff. But, yeah, those were complete games that you had and you could try out. If you didn't like it, so be it. If you if you wanted to hand it over to your friend, you could. Yep. You know, and I think that's what really has changed. And this, for the better, because, you know, piracy and all that. But
0: Well, also, I think these days word of mouth is so much more... Expedient oh, and yeah. ineffic- efficient. Before, like I hadn't heard. Of, I think I heard of Doom in like mid 1994 before Doom Two came out. So it had been out like a good half a year already. Mm-hmm. But now, if if a game hits big, it's trending on Twitter or Twitch or YouTube, and you can hear about it right away. And sure. you have that. You have influencers. You have games journalists. You have your friends. These people whom you trust, and you say, "Oh, okay. Well, I'll, I will buy this." $30, $40, $50, $60 game site on scene because these people whose opinions I trust back them up. So I guess, I don't know, maybe I'm arguing that you don't need demos as much. I, I, I'm still from an era where I think demos are a good thing because I want a product that I can try without putting any money down and decide if I like it.
1: And you know what else has really done it? Twitch. You know, the fact yeah. that you can, you can watch someone play it live and interact with them and ask them questions as they're playing it. Yeah. That's given this whole new interactivity to how we discover games. Yeah. And I think that if you look at PUBG, that's what drove it yep. was its success on Twitch. It's a very fun game to watch. I almost enjoy watching it more than playing it. Sure. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that that's, that's one thing that we can kind of point to. It's like that's why it works today. But yeah. it was just it was funny when we were, we were walking through the hallowed halls of id Software and just seeing this like. They have two huge trophy cases. Yeah, you know they won an Emmy. Yeah, <laughs> you know? how many game studios have, can say they won an Emmy? Yeah, and uh, yeah, so it's it's amazing to see that kind of stuff. Um, and it was cool to be there, you know, because that's where you know that's where they made Doom 2016, right? <laughs> you know, and we saw some of the storyboards. We saw what we saw Marty and Hugo sitting there in a meeting. You yep. know. uh, so it was cool to see. Uh, where people do it for shack news. You yeah. Know? It was like definitely one of those it was one <laughs> of those right. epicenters right. know, of doing it for Shaq News. Uh and yeah, you know, it was cool to to talk to to devs and you know being here at at QuakeCon, seeing so many people from Bethesda and Id, and you know, walking around with the Shaq shirt and people smiling when they see the Shaq logo. Right. It's cool. There's always been this symbiosis between id and Shaq. Yeah, and almost simultaneously, they kind of went into a downtick in the early part of this decade. Right, you know, we had been acquired by GameFly, they had been acquired by Bethesda. They had a huge amount of turnover in their executives. We had a huge amount of turnover <laughs> amongst our stuff.
0: Well, and it it used to be kind of a black box company when they were independent. You never really knew what they were up to. You knew they were building something, mm-hmm. but as to, I mean, they. It is still one of those companies that can can more or less still give uh, a release date as when it's done. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, I think they announced Doom 3... I think of the early 2000s, and then years went by before they gave a progress report on it. You just kind of had to take a wait-and-see approach and what they were going to build. Now, I think since the Bethesda acquisition, I think there's a bit more transparency. They, they talk about what they're working on when they have something ready to show, and it's not too far out. I think we saw Doom... Let's see, Doom 2016 was first shown at QuakeCon, I think, 2014. That was a private demo given just to mm-hmm. attendees. Then the next year... You know they had the grand unveiling at a3 and then the year after that it was out so that you can see right there Like there's kind of a a regimented schedule that they followed. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one way the acquisition probably probably helped them like stay on track and 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 keep people informed on what they were up to
1: Yeah, the acquisition didn't seem to work out for Shaq news the same way.
0: No (laughs) Well, you would know more about that than I would because I of course I wrote for Shaq over uh, from 2005 to like mid 2007 uh, I'm still on the the freelance beat, but when I came back on, you'd been uh, you'd been the owner of the site for a while. Yeah,
1: I bought it in 2013. Right. So there was about four years there where GameFly owned it. And, right. You know, they had folks like Garnet and you know all those folks that that were here when. Well, it
0: was you know I mean you and I talked about this like I I really liked a lot of their content, but there was there seemed to be a disconnect between the people working at and writing for shack news and the shack community that as yeah. as a longtime shacker and as someone who wrote from the site and and uh, was used to uh very hands-on involvement i mean steve martin chris rimo and i were all very active in the chatty community and then mm-hmm. these other guys you know for whatever reasons weren't and that was just always kind of an odd thing yeah to me
1: yeah so you know it was that was the opportunity that kind of fell in my lap and right. you know thanks to just a crazy series of events and Way too little time to do the due diligence for the acquisition. Uh, yeah, it was. I think it was Christmas Eve. Oh, really? That they called
0: Christmas and, Eve, twenty thirteen. Yeah. Wow.
1: And, and and uh by the thirty first, the deal was done. Wow. So yeah, I had six days to do due diligence. Very on quick turnaround there. Yeah, and you know it, it, there was there was tax considerations on the part of the sellers. Yeah. Uh, that was why that we that was why we had to act so quickly. Uh, but yeah, when I, when I looked at it, I was like, my God, (laughs)
0: well yeah Yeah. you know this is i mean i'm I'm sure probably not every episode will be like a lot of shack history but i think it's relevant now yeah because we're bringing back the Shaq cast and and our previous podcast we've been kind of on hiatus for a couple months so that's right this is kind of i think setting the tone you and i've talked about this one thing we really want to get into here is we want to talk a lot about
1: design and development kind of a lot of the Mm -hmm. behind the the scenes stuff yeah we want to talk about behind the scenes of the games industry yeah and we also want to give our community a look at what we're doing, right? You know, talk about you know we're here at QuakeCon, so we're gonna do a show about QuakeCon, you right? Know? There may be other news that happen this week, but we're gonna try to have more focused shows, yeah. That look at you know they they'll be news driven at times, they'll be event driven at times, they'll be game driven at be, times, yeah. Topical games, what have you, yeah. So this this is our first episode, you know we want we're we are at the birthplace of quake holio right. you know at, at where the sugar shack was founded you That's know, right. where our site has its deepest roots so we wanted to give you guys kind of a look at both our origin as well as the origin of quake kind of, just kind of how they interweave you know and right. how shack news and quake and shack news and id have had this weird kind of parallel path right and they're both kind of on the rise again yeah, it's and, and <laughs> it's it's good to see. It's yeah, good to see, yeah, and it was just funny. I I was when I was at Starbucks, guy was just super happy to to hear that, you know, I was running the place, and you know, it, was, it wasn't business as usual. It's got
0: to be nice for you, you know. I'm sure as a business owner, you have a lot of uh, emotional ups and downs as well as financial ones, and so it's got to be nice when someone sees the Shack logo in public, like, hey,
1: yeah, Shack News. Oh man, it's it's really it's happening more and more. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's also cause I'm wearing the old logo. Right. Uh, you know, our, we have that other t-shirt we were, we were giving away at E3 with my dog on it. Right, with know,
0: the current logo. And
1: the current logo. Yeah. And it says Shaq news. So right. So people can read it. Um, but when you just see the, the white Shaq logo on a black shirt and you're like Shaq news. Yeah. That's how I know you're old school. Yeah. That's how you know you. You've you, been talking
0: a lot about the, the older logo recently. Yeah. I, I I don't know if I'm springing anything on you. I don't. Know. I don't think. I don't even think I know if you've made any definite plans yet. But I noticed that
1: you just you've worked it back into the rotation. I mean, if you go to shackshop.com, this is a perfect time to mention Shack Shop. Uh, right. We have a lot of apparel that uses our classic logo, right? And I like the white on black look yeah you know it's a really clean yeah, minimalistic it's, look it's a minimalistic look and honestly from a t-shirt design standpoint is cheaper to print hey <laughs> so, there you go so when there's those behind the scenes <laughs> nitty-gritty <laughs> details that we promised yeah uh but yeah so i also i also like websites with black backgrounds oh ho! Oh. and that's where I'll leave this for now. Do you like websites with okay, okay, Back backgrounds, <laughs> with green text? Maybe I don't know. I don't know. I mean, green text is fantastic. Sure. I, I also like things that tell me how many users are active on the site. That's nice too. I like That's user nice reviews too. too. I like user profiles. Yeah, profiles are cool too. And game I libraries. like game
0: libraries. I like search. Oh wait Wait. (laughs) okay i've gone too far now you've gone gone too too far far, sir i've gone that's just crazy i know know. functional search for search i know i'm entitled. i'm a functional search entitled millennial i'm sorry
1: i'm sorry yeah like what year do you think it is like someday welcome you've got check messages someday the indexing of the chatty will work again don't make promises you can't keep someday (laughs) Someday. the indexing of the (laughs) chat will work again okay someday okay that's not you heard it here ironclad someday yeah coming someday someday it's like it'll happen before half-life three because we just talk about that we can talk about that that's huge
0: i read the story overview yeah yeah so first of all a little disclaimer although i am a writer like i don't necessarily come to games first for the story especially games that don't really make good use of the medium i don't like walls of text i don't like cinematics and that brings me to half-life half-life was was video game storytelling almost at its best i think and even though like the half-life story wasn't the feature attraction for me i did really like it and it's been almost 10 years now since the release of the orange box so i think we can talk about the fact that half-life 2 episode 2 released in october 2007 as part of the orange box ended on a cliffhanger and uh you know the, the death of uh, a major character and ever since then it's just been kind of hanging and uh, uh today mark laidlaw hope i'm not butchering his last name no. uh gave a summary of what i i only read I, so he he posted his summary and then it was taken down not unsurprisingly and then someone grabbed it and dropped it in a paste bin. so i i i assume this was his summary of the story this was how half-life episode three would have played out
1: if he was in charge if he was in charge at valve if he could have made the executive decision to create episode three that's what would have been the story that's what i'm taking it as yeah he's like this is what could have been right he even there were some deleted facebook posts too where he was like this is kind of a fanfic for me yeah uh and he had just left, you know, was it this year or last year? Uh, yeah. There were a few writers that have left over a the past couple A lot of people of are leaving Valve right now,
0: which is, I don't know, as as a Valve fan dating back to Half-Life 1, that makes me sad. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm... I do apologize for the, the coughing, the sneezing, oh, no, I have a worry. cold. Yeah, so sorry He's about that. He's
1: powering through a cold for this first episode. Yeah, and doing it for Shack News. Trying yeah. to do it for Shack News. It's you know sometimes you have to do it for Shack News with Nyquil. He mentioned at the beginning that he was powered by Nyquil. Yes. We're also brought to you by Shack News Mercury, which is a That's five dollars right. subscription. That's yeah, right. That's you for, for ad-free Shack News experience. <laughs> uh, but no,
0: I, I, so I read the overview, and it sounded pretty interesting. Kind of. Uh, I guess a, a bleaker ending, but I think that's kind of the, the the track that Half-Life was on. I think as a fan, you know, uh, someone in chatty started a giant thread about even before we posted the story. And, and someone asked, you know, now that you've read what likely would have been the ending, would you still play it? I would absolutely still play it because Half-Life uh, was was great at it, it, you were involved in the story the whole time. They never took control Away from you, except you know, for a little bit here and there. When they when they did, the fact that it didn't happen too often made you sit up and pay closer attention. But you know, would I still play that? Absolutely, because I would want to see Valve. I would want to play the last chapter yeah. of uh, of one of the most influential first person shooters ever.
1: Yeah, no, it it really changed how people viewed shooters. Yeah, and and just FPS. Like I, yep. I don't even know. if I wouldn't necessarily just call it a shooter. Like, I think it's a first person game. Yeah. First person
0: action game. Yeah. Yeah. Also also built on Quake One tech. So, still with that synergy. So, with our theme for the episode. Exactly. No,
1: yeah. yeah, um, Gabe went to id Software and helped them with, I think it was a a port of one of their titles. And then, yeah, it ended up. Quake One's engine or Quake's engine is at the heart of so many good games. It's kind of crazy. And
0: I really like seeing games that use known tech but are completely unrecognizable which hasn't been the case for a long time like hey i I played my more than my fair share of unreal engine 3 games last hardware generation but it got to a point where i could look at a a brand new screenshot from a a newly announced game and go oh yeah that's an unreal engine 3 game because they just kind of all had the same sort of gritty big bulky look to them yeah but you look at half-life one built on on quake tech and it was I mean, Quake and Half-Life don't share much in common other than like, hey, they're both first-person
1: shooters. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool to see tech bent and twisted and reshaped that way. I think the the one thing that applied to both of those games that I really liked was the movement. Yeah, the the precision of the movement, and it, you know, something that going back to that Lawbreakers interview that we had at E3, Cliff talked about where Unreal Engine you don't accelerate and decelerate when you're hitting that your arrow keys. Right. In Quake you are. If you hit a wall in unreal engine is dead on, you're gonna stop. Right. If there's just a slight angle in the in, in Quake, you're gonna kinda slide along the wall. And you'd also at least in Quake One, which I've been playing a lot of recently, you hear Ranger make
0: the oof sound. Yeah. There's that uh oral feedback. Oh man. If we're, well we're gonna talk feedback. about
1: the sound. Yeah. Whew. Nine inch nails, that rocket launcher noise. <sighs> the grenades, man. Yeah. Bing, bong bong
0: bong yeah. really heavy solid sounding game
1: oh yeah the, the sound in that game is amazing uh and the ui was great for its time you know not to mention they were the first online shooter quick world <laughs> right yep so there's just there's so much about that that we love and clans the yeah. community you know i i jumped around clans i was i was a maverick back then hey Fly your flag and whichever clan will have you. That's yeah, a, I was, it was all a, new back then, man, uncharted territory. It was funny because you know we were talking about this last night. I used to go to Pound Sugar Shack in IRC. Yeah. That was where we we just went in there to find games. Yeah, you know, it was it was easier to find games in there. And now in 2017, we have Discord, right? Which is basically IRC. Yeah. and we're still doing the same thing in right. these channels. I crack up when I was like, "Oh, Discord's so innovative and cool." I'm like, "It's IRC with like some Slack in it." Yeah, <laughs> and listen, oh, listen. It has I, voice. Sorry, it has voice
0: chat. I went to a, a reunion a few years ago and talked to. A kid and uh, he said yeah man I love first person shooters I think the first person the first 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 <laughs> the first FPS I'll keep it simple ever <laughs> made was Halo and I was like kid let me let me talk to you gather around oh my let Uncle David <laughs> tell you about the glory days of, of Wolfenstein 3D Hover Tank 3D Catacomb 3D let's go way back Rise of the Triad yeah Maze at MIT in the 70s playing the first person shooter where the player avatars were just eyeballs, yeah, chasing each other around mazes
1: in first person. <laughs> yep, you know, no, so yeah, I think it goes back to that. Just the Quake is a defining moment in gaming history, yep. And this event, Quake we're here con- because of Quake, yeah, this event, even though this year, yeah, they have Quake champions. I'm still seeing people playing other games and th- the game that I think is really cool here is Wolfenstein: The New Colossus. Yeah. You know, it's it's really outstanding and I think that's that's Bethesda's game of the year candidate this year. Yeah. And they're kind of not pumping it up as much as they should be. I'm kind of surprised because Wolfenstein 2 kind
0: of I wouldn't say it came out of nowhere because I think First of all, the uh, you know, Wolfenstein the New Blood did well enough a few years ago that people expected a follow-up from machine games. But also That was the old blood or the old blood and then the new order I always I always flipped those two. <laughs> Wolfenstein, the old blood, yeah. Whichever one was the first one and the not new order the expansion. Okay. Uh so that one was great and people expected a follow-up. But then also like I think people knew that there'd be another Wolfenstein game based on that. But mm-hmm. this one just looks like an acid trip. And I think that's what's cool. One thing I talked about at E3 during our podcast was I think that Wolfenstein has become. It's still id's property technically although they haven't made Wolfenstein in-house for years But it's become the id property that people can kind of play with like doom and quake when you go into those people have very uh, Rigid expectations Doom has to be fast and dark and set in hell and quake needs rocket jumping and super fast movement And Wolfenstein is like I want to shoot Nazis But everything else around that is kind of malleable. It's kind of up in the air You can do a lot of different thematic stuff with that
1: I mean and a game puts Hitler in some sort of animatronic road Robot in the first iteration yeah. it opens the door for yep. whatever you want in the, the future. sky is the limit. You know so now we have robotic dogs and Nazis and KKK hanging out in New, in New Mexico together. <gasps> right. That doesn't sound that crazy. But you yeah. know there's you know not to get too political right. but it, it, the timing of this game is really interesting. Yeah
0: actually just kind of uh, you know yeah like you said not to get too political but I'm kind of interested to play we have a, a, a spate of games like this coming out where they, mm-hmm. deal, they deal with politics, whether this was planned or not. Like games like Wolfenstein Two, uh, Far Cry Five coming up next spring. Uh, it'll be interesting to see them, you know, tackle what is becoming increasingly, <laughs> increasingly uh, nonfiction subject I mean, it's always been, yeah. I, you know, again a cold. I don't know what I'm saying here, but what I mean is Nazis were something that hadn't really been at the fore. Yeah. except in video games and, and in history books and and, and movies becoming, and in movies. And now here we have Wolfenstein 2. You know, Wolfenstein IP is is strong again mm-hmm. and has this really kind of trippy alternate history take that I'm really looking forward to digging into.
1: And it's cool because BJ Blazkowicz has become this really lovable character. Yeah. Like, he is such a good guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he's G.I. Joe. He's, <laughs> and he is. And
0: that's, you know, that's one area where maybe Quake... Has fallen behind a bit by virtue of the fact of it. You know, Quake Champions having no single player campaign. Yeah. But Wolfenstein has has breathed new life into the characterization of B.J. Blazkowicz and the Doom Slayer, is a, a more beloved character than ever. You know, before in, in Doom, it was kind of a joke that like this guy, you know, he doesn't even speak in words. He just speaks in grunts and and gasps of pain. And now Doom, you know, its its characters are uh, actual characters.
1: Yeah. No, I think. Uh Hugo Martin coming on, yeah, uh, had a lot to do with that. Yeah, uh, he's fantastic at narrative. Yep. and it's in a way where we talked about this a lot in your Doom Select, where they don't have to hammer you over the head with walls of text or a tutorial or something that explains why you have to kill demons. Yeah. The demons are trying to kill you. That's why you're killing the demons. Right. And you're constantly being reminded that you are the demon slayer, that you are the doom slayer, that you're this badass. Yeah. Why are you killing demons? Because that's literally what you do. Yeah. That's all you do. For sure. And uh, no, they did a they've done a really fantastic job in the last 5 years or 3 years even of reviving their their franchises. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to pivot a little. All right. To a version of Doom that we played today called oh, Doom
0: VFR. My first experience with Doom VFR. So what do you think? I, I loved it. And it, so one thing you and I talked about as, as we were leaving the convention hall this morning was that... So for for those who don't know, you step into Doom VFR and you... Uh, I played it on Vive and you use the the left controller, you hold down a button... And you indicate a spot in the game where you want to teleport. And you move via teleportation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that was wild to me. Because I'm used to sitting down and playing games and not moving my body. I'm just twiddling my thumbs. Uh, or mouse and keyboard. Whether, you know, if I'm playing a first-person shooter on a controller, I'm, I'm turning by twisting the sticks, the circle strafe. If I'm playing on the computer, I've got WASD in my mouse uh, wrist going on. Yeah. In this game, I found myself facing forward a lot. And just kind of teleporting and thinking like, well, geo, yeah, I have to actually physically turn around. But it made it that more, much more immersive. Yeah. It was, it was. I think last year at E3, the 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 first game to sell me on virtual reality was Resident Evil Seven. Mm-hmm. But that you're still using a controller to move. With Doom, actually like twisting around, turning, extending my hands, actually seeing the guns move around in the game. I felt for the first time. Like I had entered a virtual
1: world and and was in it, I think the biggest thing about v r is immersion, you know and presence yeah. right. Those are the two things that they shoot for, and what's what you're talking about these human interface devices that all gamers use controllers, mice, keyboards, right your head becomes the mouse, right your look is just about turning your head around. Yep. It's not, you know, and you have to, you have to, as a gamer, you have to train yourself that because we've been staring at 2d screens forever. Right. And you're just staring right ahead. But in this game, it's all about looking around and not only I, looking, but like your whole body. Yeah. Turning, oh, walking around full body. Cause you know, behind the back teleportation, like shooting people in the face, whatever you got to do. Yep. Um, the thing that I noticed uh that they it was a little different than the last time I, I tried the demo was uh they added jump pads. Oh right. And when you jump on them, you can hold down the teleport. And even when you're on the ground, teleport gives you this bullet time mechanic. Which is awesome because you can like Kind of, it's not like you're pausing the game. The, the you know, berserkers are still running at you. You yeah. know, you got imps throwing fireballs at you, but it's all a little slower. Yeah. So you can kind of look around right. and make your plan. Like, okay, if I go over there, I can shoot that guy, that guy, and that guy. You almost get the sense that
0: that's how Doom Slayer actually sees action unfolding. Like he's so damn slick and experienced. He, it's actually all happening in slow motion. For yeah. Me. He's just picking dudes he's off before they can not even notice he's looking
1: at Yeah. Them. He's just that badass. Yeah. You know, and I. I think another cool thing that they added to this demo was the glory kill mechanic. Yeah. Because you can't just, they couldn't do it the same way as it is. You don't want to
0: walk up and press a button. You're in VR. You want something that. So they
1: created something called a telefrag. Yeah. So you get them in that glory kill state and then you teleport into them. And you almost explode their well from w- within them, right?
0: And that's that's another <laughs> great use of it history because the tel- they created the telefrag in doom. Yep. If you happen to spawn right where another person was standing, you'd kind of just boom explode through them. And, and it's pretty cool that they they found a, a really unique way. It, it's like I said to you earlier. Uh, I really like the tele the telefrag the teleglory kill whatever they call it. Yeah. Because. You press the button, aim it, then teleport, and then you just go shoo, like shooting forward. You almost feel like you're just bull charging for them. It's a it's a very uh, almost haptic sensation. Yeah, it, like that. It kind
1: of feels like Scale Bearer in Quake Champions, actually. Yeah. yeah. You know Because like you don't really have much control once you hit his his special power. He's going forward. Right. <laughs> He's just stampeding forward. Yeah. Yeah. So once you do that, once you click the the glory kill or the telefrag mechanic, right. You're in there, uh, and the then, glory. Port, the glory tele... Uh, I think yo. they're calling it a tele Okay, tele okay. That makes um, sense, okay. The other thing that they did is that you can tap on the sides and the front of that same teleport pad, yeah. the haptic pad, and do quick teleport.
0: Oh, okay. So you
1: can strafe in that game. Oh, yeah. See,
0: I need to spend more time. If this was your... I think you played it twice today. I played it twice so, today. So you've got three
1: demos total under your belt. This is my first time. I, was, I have played this vertical slice three times. Yeah. And then last year, I played their first vertical slice of this. Oh, right. At QuakeCon. So, yeah. Right. So I've played this game four times now, and I can say it's my favorite VR experience by far. Yeah. So Super Hot was right up there. Yeah. And Super Hot, oddly enough, has that bullet time mechanic. You feel like a badass. But th- I think this is its an exciting time to play VR games and also to develop them because you're seeing
0: developers like the, the Super Hot team and id Software with Doom VFR kind of Writing the new language of, of how, how does how does movement? How does locomotion work in virtual reality? How does shooting work? How you know, how do we do these things that we've taken for granted for 30 plus years because we've had controllers and keyboards and mice?
1: It's yeah, pretty cool. No, I, I think it's kind of the uh, <sighs> It's kind of like the Wild West right now. Yeah, so we're, we're figuring out Okay you know what? Thumbstick is not going to work for Locomotion. Yeah. It might work in VR in third person, but I'd say 60% of the time people are going to get sick from it. Yeah. And today there were three demos running. They had Elder Scrolls running with teleportation. They had Doom running with teleportation. And they had Fallout 4 not with teleportation. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, even though Fallout 4 is probably, I know Elder Scrolls is huge too. Right. I am talking about the scale of the game. Sure. Both of those are massive games. I don't think I could walk around in VR with a thumbstick for as long as Fallout 4 <coughs> is as a game. That's like way too long of a game for me to be doing that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think time will tell because uh one thing I've mentioned a lot as someone who who hasn't uh you know fully boarded the VR hype train yet is I haven't wanted I think a lot of VR games right now kind of are meant to to glorified tech demos and I don't mean that uh, you know as a pejorative I just think that that's kind of the experience these these are more bite-sized experiences I've been looking for a full immersive world to step into but like you said they haven't solved the problem yet of what is the most efficient and comfortable way to let players navigate the world and mm-hmm. I mean I think you're right like I, I played um for my second go-round, I was very tempted to jump back in the Doom VFR, but I tried Skyrim, and it was running on PlayStation VR, so I used the PlayStation Move controller. And the movement in that game is you just kind of use the use – the, uh, to teleport long distances. Otherwise, you're just kind of like you tap buttons to turn around, and so you tap in little jumps. It's almost like the, the slideshow effect, kind of like playing Myst mm-hmm. back in the day. Yeah. Where every time you click, you're clicking to a different screen, a different point of view. And it was fine, but it wasn't – Immersive. The immersion came when I would stop. Like I, I went into this dungeon and I walked through a screen of cobwebs and I used my sword to kind of brush some aside. I could look up and see light filtering through. That was cool. But then I was back to tapping buttons to like kind of jump forward. It, and
1: the minute you do something that does not feel natural, yeah, you're gonna break the immersion. Yeah. And what's interesting, teleportation doesn't exist. Right. Yet we all feel comfortable with it because in real life, our body isn't moving, right? And in the concept of teleportation, your body's not moving, right? So it works; it doesn't jar you, you know. And yeah. uh, like I, I, feel like that's the big thing with with teleportation as a, as a locomotion mechanic. Mm-hmm. I've seen other games, uh, Sprint Vector from Servios. That right, they they stopped by our booth at E3 as well. They're doing something where when you move your hands, mm-hmm. like in a running motion, yeah, that makes you go faster in the game. Oh, I, I like that. I could get into that. Yeah. So even though you're standing still, your arms make
0: you feel like you're moving. Well, and it's also clever because like not everyone. I think one one of the problems we've been running into for the past several years now with game peripherals. I think starting with the Connect, mm-hmm. is that not everyone has the space, you know, a, an entire room to devote to to video game cameras and, and VR peripherals so the fact that you can just stand in place and almost kind of run in place yeah that's fine if, if you can stand up in the first place you should be able to like shake your arm a little bit too mm-hmm. and it also i think that is immersive like you said like i actually kind of feel like i'm running just doing that
1: yep and you know i think that's that goes back to what you're saying we're still at this early phase of vr development where people are figuring out user interface right their human interface device is the headset and yeah. the controllers right we haven't created a vr mighty boot yet yeah. So you know, foot presence isn't there yet, uh, but I don't know. If you, I don't know if you watch Futurama. Yeah, you yeah. Remember yeah. that one where like they're like Fry. Have you ever played video games? He's like, video games. You say, <laughs> and he's wearing these VR boots <laughs> and this VR goggle and the VR gloves. I feel like we will head towards that someday. Yeah. Do you remember? That makes me think of. Do you remember back at doing the
0: 16-bit console wars? Uh, also if the era in which you and I grew up, yeah, they had this ad for there was some sort of like circular, device for genesis you stood in the middle and you would like actually like punch and kick to play mortal kombat i'm thinking i'm sitting here like whoever made that needs to bring that back so i can wear my vive with my controllers and then actually stand in this pad and like kick
1: yeah oh man make one of of those
0: but good because as i remember that was not a very good product
1: no you know what's funny is that with the vive vive control the vive sensors yeah you could do some stuff like that. Yeah, you I could. think with that leap motion, some other things, their hand hand presence is inevitable. Yeah, you know, and not just hand on controller presence. That's where I do think the Oculus Touch is is slightly better, mm-hmm. but they, Valve, Valve is working on a a more similar form factor controller. Right. I I love. <coughs> I love that you can see where your hands are, though. That's a huge thing. Yeah. I wish that you could see where your feet are. Yeah, that'd Uh, be nice, yeah. You know, because then you could start doing something like a karate game. Right. Right, where you don't even need a controller. You're just standing in VR. Mortal Kombat VR. Or yoga. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. There's all sorts of things. Practical applications, yeah. Yeah, I I think that that's going to be the key for VR. And we've been running some stories on it in the past few weeks where making it a useful tool showing that it has value as a platform for people to learn right for people to be trained i think that's when you're going to see people start to develop for it more than where we're at right now right Uh, we're not going to see activision make a game for vr not until it's a huge addressable market right because they can just make call of duty yeah you know why do they have to bother uh i remember titanfall they were like laughing at the idea of making a VR game.
0: They've been doing a lot of laughing over there. They're laughing at the idea of doing a VR
1: game. They're laughing at the idea of bringing Titanfall 2 to Switch. A lot of laughing. And not a whole lot of game sales. Right. So, you know, I think that that's, that kind of arrogance is is opening the door. And we were talking about this uh, in Ohio a couple weeks ago. Uh, where, going back to the theme of this show. Right. id Software was a scrappy group of guys... That were making something that they wanted, right. That didn't exist. Yep. And it was on the cutting edge of technology. And when I look at the games industry right now, where I see that happening is in AR and VR. Yeah. These are small firms. Look at Alchemy Labs before they got bought by Google. You know, Job Simulator is delightful. Yeah. It's a great game. It's super immersive, funny. You know, and a new way to express yourself. Right. Uh, look at uh, Tilt Brush. You know, a new way to paint in three dimensions. Right. You know, like you can't paint in real life that way. Right. So they've really created a new thing, you know, and it's like you could say the same thing for Oculus Medium. You know, it's a sculpting tool, there's a painting tool on Tilt Brush. But these are smaller firms that are doing this. These are a lot of the times I, I talk to a lot of VR devs. These are indie devs. There's like two to five people on their team. And then if they get, if they, pick up they can they can start to grow right and so we're seeing servios with raw data and now sprint vector grow we're seeing alchemy get acquired you know oculus got acquired oculus was four dudes right you know and then john carmack took a meeting and everything changed <laughs> yeah you know? so it's but like- no it really
0: does kind of harken back to the, the good old days of of the technology industry and the video game industry when it was just a bunch of scrappy people who, who wanted to see something that didn't exist, and they just started building in their garage or wherever.
1: and you look at some of the most brilliant game designers and engine builders of our time are now working in VR. Right. You know, Michael Abrash, John Carmack. Yep. You know, um, I, I just think it's funny how when you look at things, and even some of the folks at Oculus that you know that uh, developed Dead and Buried, mm-hmm. they were ex-id guys. Right. So it's like there's just a lot of people who – I can imagine, like, if you were making games on this 2D platform that is PC or console, at some point, it's like, what can you do that's any different, you know? I think we're seeing this with shooters right now. You know, Lawbreakers is struggling. Um uh, what, what other games came out? Uh, Quake Champions isn't really doing that well.
0: Yeah, and you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll, I'll re, we'll reserve judgment because they just kind of came into early access. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that, that is part of a bigger conversation I think we should have once the dust settles in a few months. Yeah, yeah, maybe around Christmas when both games have had time to either build user bases or not. Um, they're kind of harkening back to arena shooters. And one of my points is that if you go back to the 1990s and you look at first-person shooters at their peak, a lot of them didn't crack a million units. Uh, selling in the hundreds of thousands was considered a big deal back then. Yeah. Now, that is an abysmal failure. And I just kind of wonder if, you know, I, I love arena shooters. I, I look for shooters like Lawbreakers, like Quake Champions, that kind of t- strive to, to blend new conceits and design ideas with the old but i also wonder you know how successfully they'll do that in the face of of companies like blizzard who have kind of built a reputation on appealing to to a casual audience and saying hey this is what makes our gaming fight uh inviting but if you dig down a few layers you'll get to uh much more advanced techniques and game systems that keep the hardcore crowds playing. Whereas games like Lawbreakers, Quake, Unreal, those
1: games were meant for hardcore players right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what I think what I think is interesting is that you have a game like PUBG, mm-hmm. which is appealing to both mm-hmm. casual gamers and hardcore gamers. They had a tournament at Gamescom, yeah. you know, just this week, and I've seen a lot of people playing it. And the yeah. BYOC, Oh, too. a ton of people are playing at BYOC. It's probably the second most played game I've seen just walking around there. Right. And it's because they did do something different. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that 100 person survival. Uh, I was talking to Soxta, a couple other Shackers at the BYOC last night. We're like, you know what would be cool? If Quake Champions just stole that idea and had like sure. a 1v1 100 person mode. Yeah,
0: I mean that's that's how a lot of game <laughs> modes start. You know, someone came up with capture the flag, and now it's ubiquitous. It's in every first person shooter practically.
1: Yeah, no, and God, capture the flag in Quake Three was amazing. Yep, <laughs> yes it was. <laughs> was yes so it was. Just just an aside, real quick. Quake Three is awesome, and capture the flag in Quake Three is delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, the yeah, there's a there's a long history of just game companies stealing ideas from others and i'm sure everyone's looking at overwatch and they were trying to steal the hero mechanic they thought that was what people liked and i don't think that was it no i think it's part of it but it's i think it's the level design yeah i think they're very polished levels they're very balanced levels it's also historically
0: a skill-based game Mm -hmm. you know so it's almost like it's almost like when warcraft 3 uh, kind of, you know, mixed their chocolate and peanut butter, mixed RPG mechanics and RTS mechanics. Uh, sometimes that, that hits, it did with Warcraft 3. You know, I, I think one of the, the reasons I, I've enjoyed Quake Champions, but one, of, one thing I'm, I'm very curious about, I, I want to see the game's longevity where, you know, you're mixing in hero skills uh, into uh, a, a franchise built on a foundation of player skill. You know where everyone could it, it, it's a level playing field, but your hero skills might make the difference if if they if mine doesn't really match
1: up to them. You know, we'll have to see how the game pans out. Yeah, I mean, I I'm I play I played a little Overwatch, like mm-hmm. you know, and I I wanted to give it a shot. Yeah, I haven't just, had a chance to play it at all. It doesn't speak to me. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's something there that I just don't feel excited mm-hmm. by it. It's I had shooter fatigue. I really did. Mm-hmm. After Halo 2 and 3, I was like kind of out of it. For I hit a while. that I hit that after actually after Doom 3
0: and Half-Life 2, which came out within 3 months of each other in 2004, and I kind of took a break. I think BioShock was the last shooter that got me mm-hmm. really excited because again, I, l- I loved the interplay between the plasmid, quote-unquote superpowers and more traditional weapons but after that i kind of since then i've had shooter fatigue really
1: yeah and the the games that have gotten me back into it's just, it's just funny being back at shack news mm-hmm. you know when i when i bought the site i was like you know what i'm gonna have to start playing pc games again yeah. yeah you can't you can't own this site and not play pc games no and it wasn't that i wasn't playing i just didn't have for a while i just didn't have a computer that was capable of playing the the, the best games right so i was like fine i'll build one and Started playing games again. It's just funny. Like the the shack battles that I have the most fun playing are Team Fortress Two, Counter Strike Source, Quake Live. Yeah. You know, it's these games that we've been playing
0: forever. Isn't that the funny thing though? We we pour thousands of dollars into the latest, greatest hardware and then we install games that came out and like. Yeah, or we like how do I
1: play Battlefield nineteen forty two? Yeah. You know, and yep. God, that game needs an H D remaster. Yes, it does. Um, you know, we're seeing all these World War Two and World War One remakes. I'm like, no, I kind of want What's this her? game. Yeah, uh, just call it Battlefield 1944 or whatever. Yeah, you know, you Did they, they had
0: a. Uh, you remember Battlefield 1943 on yeah. Xbox Live Arcade? Yeah, yeah, not didn't quite hit, but then that was that was a console game, and I have nothing against console games, but that you know, I think the audience that would have been excited for what really amounted to a direct sequel to 1942 was clearly on the PC platform.
1: You know, the other thing that happened, you know, I, I don't really talk about this too much, uh, but yeah, they in uh, 2006, I was in a really bad car accident. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. And uh, the airbag was deployed. I was going through a green light, like, mm-hmm. you know, a normal person going mm-hmm. speed limit. These people hit the front left of my car going about 70. Some of this, I'm at the intersection at Milam and Elgin. People in Houston will know that intersection. Okay. It's a busy downtown Houston intersection. Mm-hmm. These guys are going 70 through a red light. Jeez. They hit me. The airbag deploys, but I had to steer out of a spin. So I cut up both my wrists. Oh, wow. Really bad. And I've had nerve damage in my hands since then. Mm hmm. So I can't play keyboard and mouse games for extended periods of time anymore. Wow. that may, Okay, that makes so, sense. Because so one of our demos,
0: when they asked, I sat down to keyboard and mouse, you asked for a controller. I thought that might have been just your preference.
1: No, it, it's it's really uh, my body. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Body's calling the shots. And, and also, like I turn off uh, force feedback whenever I can. Yeah. Because that hurts. Right. So it's like, that's one thing that really... It was 2006, and I was... I was one of the better Halo players amongst my friends. One of the better Gears players. I still am one of the better Gears players, but I I know that I lost a step then. Yeah, you know, and it's like that's that was one thing that in the mid 2000s happened to me that it definitely made me move away from the hardcore shooter. Mm-hmm. So it's like when I do play Quake Champions, I I play it for like three games. Yeah, you know, because I can't. I'm not that kid anymore. Yeah, like a 16 year old me. Would play Quake all frickin' night. Yeah, you know, I, like, I can't do that anymore. Either different reasons. Yeah, but, yeah. But yeah, that's that's just a little tidbit about me that is why like some games maybe don't appeal to me as much, and maybe why PUBG hasn't really resonated with me yet, mm-hmm. and why I am interested in the Xbox version of it. Or, but even when it comes to PC and they have controller support, yeah, I'll probably be more interested in it. Yeah. You know, it's just that I can't play games for that extended period of time on keyboard and mouse anymore. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So it's a a little thing about me that most listeners probably wouldn't know. Yeah. Uh, Your co-host didn't know. They probably didn't know. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's, you know, it was crazy. I I got out of the car. People were like, holy shit, how are you even alive? Yeah. You know, because like it split second, right? Right. A little bit later on the break, they T-boned me from the side. I'm dead. Right. You know, so it's like, those are those moments in life where you kind of look back and you're like, yeah, that definitely changed me. Yeah. You know, and it was like, yeah, I, it changed my gaming habits. It changed my athletic habits. Like, everything changed that day. Mm-hmm. So it's changed how I view games. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely become, I was always a Nintendo guy. Always. Oh, yeah. Well, but, you're, you're a man of refined taste. Of course yeah. you're a Nintendo guy. <laughs> but, like, I was more of a PC guy before that day than I was after. Yeah. And then when I came back... To, when I came back to Shaq seven years later, it it kind of was like you know what you can still play because it's not a, like I I gave up on that whole I have to be the best thing. yeah you know what I mean like because when I was young oh my god I needed to have a five one kill death ratio like I needed yeah. to kick ass right but once I like once I realized like it's like you know it's just about I started treating it like golf yeah it's like I just want to improve yeah you know, that's where, that's where I'm at with shooters, and that's why, like, I'm very picky mm-hmm. with my games. I'm like, I don't want to waste my time playing games that, like, you know, like, I want to use my time that I have free on the games that I enjoy the most. Yeah. And part of that is how your body feels. Sure. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of funny. Yeah. Um But, yeah, like, I – and I – around that time, I really got into third-person shooters. You know, Gears of War, Uncharted – There were some really great third-person games that came out. Yeah, you know, GTA. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it was kind of like this heyday of third-person, kind of when I was waning from first-person. So it was a combination of those things, and then yeah, I still I'm a Nintendo fan, of course. You know, always. How is Elder Scrolls on Switch not here? I know that that is a
0: glaring omission. I can't believe Skyrim on Switch is is not at QuakeCon.
1: Let's just pivot one more time. Okay. We have to go to a shack beat. Right. Um, and talk about how subdued QuakeCon is this year. Yeah, so there's no <laughs> keynote. That's weird. Yeah.
0: I think this might be the first time in a long time they haven't had one. I have never heard of this. Because, you know, I hadn't really thought about it since Carmack left, which is still a, a touchy subject. But I always kind of – I always – associated QuakeCon keynotes with John Carmack. Like, yes, other people spoke, but they're just kind of killing time until John Carmack gets up there and razzle-dazzles everybody with his tech talk for three hours. Yeah. Uh, but then there's there's nothing at all this year. And I don't know. It's just, it is it does feel more subdued. I mean, the, the BYOC is still hopping. People are still having fun. Yeah. But it feels like there are uh, core parts of QuakeCon that are just kind of left out.
1: Did you the, go to their booth at E3? The Bethesda booth? No. They had that massive section to the left of it that was an eSports setup. Okay. And it was largely empty most of the time. Hmm. And when I walk by it, even today or yesterday, there's not a whole lot of people sitting there and watching. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I hate seeing companies try to force feed us an eSport. Like, this game's going to be an eSport. Yeah. Don't tell me it's going to be an eSport. Yeah. make a game that's compelling enough to become an esport. Yeah, just let it happen. And that's yeah. where I that's where I feel like they put their marketing dollars here. Yeah. It was like on the tournament. Yep. And like here's why this tournament's going to here's why this game's going to be an esport. Right. And it's like you don't have to convince me that Quake's good to watch. I love watching Quake. Yeah. And I I I've been watching some games, you know. But it's weird that they don't they have this massive stage and they didn't take one second to talk about their game lineup.
0: Yeah, and that's like the only thing I can think of is maybe they don't really have, well, two things. I thought maybe they don't really have anything to talk about this year because uh, you know, we don't know anything about this, but my gut tells me that the reaction to Doom 2016 w- would mean that they're working on a sequel. But it's probably not far enough along to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wolfenstein's coming out this year. Quake Champions is in early access. Um, Bethesda's lineup at this point is is pretty well known. I think, like, everyone under the ZeniMax umbrella, maybe they really didn't have anything to bring out. Or my second thought was, well, now that Bethesda has their own kind of spot during the E3 lineup of conferences, maybe that's when they're going to talk about stuff. And QuakeCon will just be the big Quake and gaming convention, the, the giant LAN party. I don't know. I don't
1: know what this year means, but it is it is very weird to not have a keynote. Yeah, and, you know, we'll see – at the finals, if they have like a one more thing, I'm hopeful that Tim's like, I hope, but I don't. I'm not. Getting. They need to get some butts in those seats first if they're going to do that. Yeah,
0: because I, I know what you mean. They have that giant screen with rows of chairs set up, and it's just
1: kind of empty. People are more interested in the BYOC than they are the. Yeah, the as sports. they should be.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's more fun. Yeah,
1: I'm actually thinking about walking down there tonight with like a thousand dollars in my pocket and just starting a Rocket League tournament. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He should. <laughs> there are plenty of people playing Rocket League. I could easily win. Well, this has been a fun first show. Yep. I think, you know, I think we did it for Shaq News. We're going to we keep did. doing it for Shaq News. Uh, I hope everyone enjoyed this, you know, let us know how we can improve. Yeah, so I, I know we don't have our format completely nailed down, but yeah. Asif
0: and I, for those who don't know, are basically neighbors. I think we live five or ten minutes apart. So for sure, Asif and I, when we record, will be in the same location. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we'll we'll talk about other plans we have for the other Shack remote editors from there. But
1: yeah. this should be a regular thing. Yeah, That's the plan. Yeah, we're definitely going to work on, you know, this might be, There might be like two weeks in between episodes or something, you know, just because we're both busy. Right. I'm traveling like a madman for the next month and two or two. Yeah, uh, I'm
0: I'm writing 40 books
1: at once, plus a a rather lengthy article for Shaq News on Quake. Yeah. So, you know, tomorrow we're interviewing Tim Willis for an hour. Yeah. That's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. So, uh, you know, thanks everyone for sticking around the chatty coming to this site watching us on twitch going to our youtube channels you know we're gonna have Brittany vincent from odojo on the show right uh we're definitely going to be some tapping. of our news editors yeah we're, gonna, we're tapping to all of our resources mm-hmm. and even maybe have some gamer hub stuff awesome you know awesome because they got some cool stuff over there yeah on the hub hey man
0: do whatever. I'm the co-host. I'm, I'm just along for the ride. Let's do it.
1: The Hub bought Shaq News. People forget that. Yeah. You know? Little old Gamer Hub saved Shaq News. Yeah. Not just me. All right. But uh, thanks a lot. And yeah, keep doing it for Shaq News.